0: Welcome to another edition of the Superflight Podcast, your Bo Bartlett of NBA's podcasts, because this podcast, to me, is all about home as well, just like Bo Bartlett's paintings or something like that, some shit like that. Also, his painting Halloween from 2016 is dope. You should go check it out. What's up, everybody? It's your host, Joe Borelli, coming at you from my studio in Brooklyn, New York. It is Monday, October 22nd, and coming up, I have a conversation with... Justin Rowan, Cavs Canada. you'll know him on Twitter. Uh, we talk about the Cavs, but we also talk about a whole bunch of other stuff, things around the league, our first impressions for the first week. And um, yeah, it was a fun conversation. Thanks again to Justin for coming on. I had a great time. In the meantime, ways to get in touch with the show, you can tweet at me at Joe Borelli. You can tweet at the Superflight at Pod, You can follow along on anywhere you follow, you know, your, your iTunes, your SoundCloud, your Stitcher, all of those things. Uh, you can email the show at superflightpodcast.com, at gmail.com. And um, if you go on iTunes, please rate and view, review, five stars only, because, you know, I only deserve five stars. Thank you. And yeah, and say hi. Reach out and touch me. Wait, that sounds weird. Sorry, <laughs> but do it. Um, anyway, so coming up, Cavs and Canada. Uh, Justin Rowan. Yeah, got that down. But in the meantime, let me tell you a little bit about have you guys had, uh, you know, here's the thing. I, if you've listened to this podcast for the last four years, and I, this is my fourth year, um, you'll know that I love Halloween. This is probably like I love summer. Summer is my favorite time of year. But Halloween is a damn close second. The month of October is just magical to me. I don't know why I'm still talking about this in therapy. We'll figure it out. We're going to get to the root of why October is magical. To me, why I'm like a child in October and why I love Halloween and spooky things so much. Um, But anyway, I do. I really love it. And we went, I took my wife and I, we went to see Halloween when it opened on Friday night. And man, if you're a fan of the movie Halloween from 1978 or you're a fan of the franchise or you like spooky movies or scary Thrasher films, Slasher, not Thrasher, Slasher, if you like those kinds of things. Go check it out. It's really good. I really enjoyed it. It's creepy. It harkens back to the original, not to give anything away, but basically throw out everything since 1978. Also, I know The Ringer does not need help, but if you are into Halloween and you're into the movie Halloween, check out Halloween Unmasked um, with Amy Nicholson as the host. It's just so well done. They approach the film. From so many angles, they talk to uh, John Carpenter about the writing the music, about how he started as a musician, about you know his life in Alabama that influenced the film, and like all kinds of things They take every angle, every approach at this uh, it 's an it 's a short mini series it 's eight, eight, eight episodes long. Number seven just came out today, and uh, i I highly highly recommend it it 's been you know, there's very few podcasts where I really look forward to hearing them, that they give me so much joy when I know they're coming out and I listen to them. I would say, like, I'm a huge fan of Open Floor. I'm a big fan of Writes to Ricky Sanchez. Uh, I'm a big fan of Zach Lowe. There's a number of other podcasts. Like, I love uh, Radio Lab. I love Sound Opinions. I love all these things, right? Uh, wait, wait, don't tell me it's fun on occasion. Um, there's a number of great podcasts lore. I love lore. Uh, and, but this one, man, it's like, I, it's probably in part because it's only a mini series. Um, but it's been giving me, it's just given me so much joy and making me think about this film in a way that I haven't thought about it. And by the way, I also confused John Carpenter with, uh, James Cameron by accident. Cause I was thinking of like, uh, Terminator and like how that's really a horror film. But anyway, um, the two are not the same, but the new score or the new soundtrack for Halloween has a little touch of like it's it seems a little Terminator to me, um, but it's it's really good and like you gotta go check it out if you're into if you're into movie soundtracks like the the theme song for this movie. Like, you know, <laughs> but it's he's added to it. He's he's built upon it. And John Carpenter's actually involved with this movie. He executive produces it. I forget who directed it, and sorry about that, but I'll look it up and I'll get back to you. But it's really good. If you're into horror films, if you're into the horror genre, it's, it's a really fun film. The podcast is great. The film is great. Uh, I can't say enough good things about it. There's a few jump scares in it, but it's also... The thing that it touches on, and the thing that you realize after watching the movie, the original Halloween, and, and it's something that I've always said about horror films. Like, the way to make a really good horror film, I think a lot of people don't understand. This This is just my opinion, but a lot of, I think, directors miss the point, especially when they're going for, like, when you're making a slasher film. It's not about watching people get cut up and, and gory parts for me. It's not about, like, stabbing. It's not about, like, that's not really the scary part. The scary part and, you know, The Shining, which I just watched recently, did does a phenomenal job of this. It's the tension that builds. It's the making you wait because you know something's going to happen. You know it's building towards this ultimate thing. You know it's coming, but you don't know when. And you know it's right around the corner. But that that tense thing, that tension, that's really what makes a really good, compelling film. Compelling, like, actually, it works for many genres, like... For dramas, it works, like the tension for a love story. There's that tension. Like we love this in in sitcoms, right? The the tension between Ross and Rachel, like they're 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 so close to getting together, but they're just not there. And that's really what keeps us coming back. It's what keeps us compelled. You want the ultimate thing. It's what works so well. The the reason that Michael Myers is so powerful is because and I've talked about this before, he never takes off the mask. You never get to see his face. When you remove the mask, you remove the unknown. You remove the fear. So there's always a built in tension with Michael Myers because you'll never see his face. You get close in this film, uh, and I don't want to say anything about it, but man, I mean, there are some really brutal, gory parts, which, you know, it's just kind of fun. And it's a high body count, which I feel Gross about saying this, but that's also kind of fun. I mean, like if you can just you know suspend disbelief. I don't want anything like this to happen to anyone in real life. That would be horrible. But uh, the movie's fun. It also sort of makes fun of podcasters, uh, which I love. And uh, hopefully, I'm not a you know victim of Michael Myers. But really, go check it out. I think it's great. If you're into horror, if you're into Halloween, if you're into Halloween the movie, if you're into Halloween the, the holiday, and for me, season, definitely go check it out. It's it's just delightful um other than that yeah I don't know there's you know not that much to talk about but man I I just I I I speak about how much I love New York all the time but New York in the fall it's so beautiful The, the weird thing is like this year it we usually have like it goes right from summer to spring or right from summer to winter right it was really stark this year it was so hot and humid three weeks ago just blazingly hot outside and gross and sticky and miserable it is in the forties this week and it is it just flipped like that. But Saturday night or Friday night, it was a really, really lovely evening. We were walking around through the city. The few trees that are around had some leaves that were falling. Got to walk by Madison Square Garden and I really wanted to go in because the Nets and the Knicks were playing, but we didn't go because, you know, we were going to see this movie. Anyway, my wife, my poor wife, man, she humors me. She doesn't give a shit about horror films. Um, she just, she's the best. She's the best. Somebody, if you have somebody in your life that will, you know, humor you to the point where they will go see a scary movie because it makes you happy, hold them very near and dear and don't let them go. She uh, She's not... a particularly big fan she felt like this story was a little bit lacking uh you know it's a horror film what do you want it's not like it's not the titanic which maybe is a bad example anyway but it's it's a good movie go check it out uh happy halloween to everybody um that's it that's all i got for you today it's a very short podcast this week we're week one into the season um so there's a lot to touch on, but we also do it pretty quickly and move through fairly quickly. So you won't get bored and it's, it's a lot of fun. So stick around. And after this brief musical interlude, this spooky musical interlude, we'll be right back.
1: Hung up and then I tried calling you back, but it didn't seem to ring. Huh.
0: That's weird, I, you know, internet man. That's always a problem. <laughs> just there's always I, something. I've
1: bitched, bitched about this a million times, uh-huh. but it's absolutely baffling to me that with the amount of like apps and shit that's created, that people haven't developed like a podcasting app. Like everyone just uses Skype pretty much, and and we just rely on this shit, and and it's so unreliable.
0: It's totally true. I mean, there's, I don't want to plug them, but because I'm already recording, by the way, so watch what you say. I mean, oh, there you go. (laughs) You can say anything you want. It's fine. Um, But there's Zencaster, which, yeah,
1: it's. Well, I I use Zoom matching now, and and Zoom's doing pretty well for me. But yeah, I've heard good things about Zencaster too, especially if they want to sponsor any of the podcasts I'm on.
0: (laughs) How many podcasts are you on? I know you're on the the chase down, right? That's your podcast. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's that's the only one that I'm actually hosting these days, and um, just jumping on any other ones that I, I can find, basically, because I, I don't have a whole lot better to do.
0: <laughs> nice. You also write for the Fear the Sword and for, what was the other one? Hoops Habit?
1: Hoops Habit, correct.
0: Hoops Habit. All right, there. Now we get all your plugs out of the way. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> and we did it within the flow of the conversation. Um, Justin Rowan, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, I think this is your second time on, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, cool. It is. Well, welcome back. I hope you had a blast last time. <laughs> um well, see, I I'm a CAS
1: fan and I drink, so I don't really remember what happened last week, but I'm sure I, I'm sure I had a good time. I didn't I didn't block <laughs> you or anything after it, so it must have gone all pretty okay.
0: Good, good, good. Well, you know, unlike most of my uh, my guests, they do block me. No, I'm kidding. it's it's, it's a joke. <laughs> Um, I'm a Sixers fan, so I also drink. <laughs> mm-hmm, that's All, fair. Yeah, although less these days. Less these days. Actually, I can't decide if I'm drinking for celebration now or if I'm just drinking because I'm an alcoholic. One of the two. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, whatever suits your fancy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> do you want to talk about some stuff around the NBA? By the way, just to, to just a quick, you know, clarifier. I'm not an alcoholic. <laughs> I, I do I do enjoy a beverage from time to time, but.
1: Yeah, this uh this podcast isn't a cry for help, is is what you're trying to communicate.
0: Exactly, exactly. All right, gotcha. Yeah. Did you wa- have you watched any NBA this last week? Why, well, yes, I have. Well that's okay. great. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna help us talk about the NBA. Good good job. Um know, I wanted to start off with the Lakers Houston fight, but let me ask you, actually, let's start with the biggest surprises for week 1. We'll get to that one in a second. I know it's the it's the all the rage that that fight. Um, but we'll come back to it. What are your biggest takeaways from week 1? Do you have anything in mind? Um, not there there's some
1: general observations. Of course, right now we're we're kind of dealing with small sample size, so I'm waiting to see how things play out. Uh, Just kind of general thoughts. I I think the Toronto Raptors look good early on. I I think they look very cohesive Uh, considering how the turnover that they've had. um, It seems like they're a more complete unit at this point than the Celtics. Um, Boston looks a little disjointed on offense. I, I think it's going to take some time for them to figure out their hierarchy. But I still believe that that's probably the most talented team in the East. And then in the West, I, I mean, you have the Denver Nuggets that look really impressive. They won over the the Warriors uh, as of right now. They have the best defense in the league. Don't think that's going to last. Doubtful. Um, <laughs> but but I, I think we're we're seeing that they're kind of taking that step to to some degree, and some of that internal growth has been paying off. So it's uh it's exciting to to see another team kind of rounding into form in the Western Conference.
0: Totally. I didn't realize that they had the best defense overall so far this season, which is kind of mind-boggling, really, because Jokic, while he's a great player, he's a really great offensive player, not so much on the defensive end. Um, So the fact that they have the number one defense, again, as you mentioned, very small sample size. Most teams have only played three games. Some have only played two. So tiny, tiny, tiny little sample size. And I know the pace has been like on an like the pace has been on an incredible pace for teams this year. It's it's uh it's up again this year and I think teams are just realizing that like if you play faster, you get more chances to make a basket and you keep people on their heels and I think it's a fun and exciting way to play obviously. Everybody's doing 3 and D and spreading the floor and so that's holding true this year that you know the pace is way up. So I think you know these things are going to they're going to normalize. They're going to come back down to earth and I think we're going to start seeing teams be what we thought they might be but yeah I'm totally with you for me like some of my biggest takeaways is I, I know OKC started without Russell Westbrook for the beginning of the season for the first two games but like they're 0-3 and that's uh, we we're going to talk about this but that was one of my biggest takeaways and New Orleans looks great to me they, they've they right. come out you know hitting on all cylinders right out of the gate Anthony Davis looks like the clear MVP right now after two games um, <laughs> <laughs> so you know for whatever that's worth, it's a long season. There's eighty games to go for most teams and uh yeah it's 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 been a lot of fun though like are there any games, any matchups that you watched that have really excited you so far this season like are you, how happy are you to have the nBA back i'm I'm just happy
1: to to have games back to be able to kind of leak past surf it and check out kind of. Who who's taken what leap over the summer? Uh, how teams are kind of running into form, as you mentioned. The Thunder losing to Sacramento that that's that's one hell of a loss. Like that that's a that's a rough look for them. Um, the Pelicans as again, as you said, uh, really look impressive, and they seem to have kind of picked up where they left off last year because yeah. last year they they made the uh, move to Anthony Davis playing more center. Um, after DeMarcus Cousins went down with an injury. Uh, Nikola Mirotic looks great Uh, Holiday, I I think people are starting to have an appreciation for just how good he is as a player and uh, Julius Randle on on one of those bargain contracts that for whatever reason his agent couldn't get him paid this summer but um, he's really making a difference for them so uh, I I think it's a a big time positive for New Orleans especially with all the kind of noise surrounding Anthony Davis and, and what his future with the franchise is going to be I think for them to come out with a strong start to that season, um, I, I think it makes a, a big time difference for them.
0: Totally, and I'm um, you know I I did my season preview podcast last week and the week before, um, and I've been I'm gonna be banging this drum all year. But I I actually picked Julius Randall be the sixth man of the year because I just think he's that's a, not a bad pick. That's right? that's a good one. Thank you, thank you. Um, I, I just think he's gonna be huge for this team. You already see it him coming off the bench. He's he's lighting up the bo- I mean he's filling up the box score and like he's such a good addition. He can play. With Anthony Davis as well, he can also switch out and you know and play with Miritich, and I think it's a perfect combination for both of those guys um, to have him be interchangeable like that. I don't think they've played him much, all three of them together yet. I know they were talking about it, uh, but I don't know that it's actually happened. But yeah, man, he's, he's been really good. I mean, Julius Randle, like you said, I don't know why he had such a hard time getting paid this offseason but he he's basically like a really big utility knife where you can he can do so many things on the court. He can handle at his size. It's pretty impressive. He can distribute a little bit. He obviously likes the ball in his hand. Um and he can't really stretch the floor, but he does a lot of the other things like the hustle plays and rebounds and and driving to the basket. He's he's a, I think he's going to be a really important player for them this year. And as you mentioned, Drew Holiday, man. I I love Drew Holiday. I have since he was on the Sixers and I was really sad that he got injured so much there for the first two or three years. You know, his wife had that brain surgery, and they had their daughter. I've been following his career. Um, so a, a string of, like, unfortunate things happened for him. But it's great that he's healthy again, and people are actually taking note of, like, he's so good on the defensive and the offensive end. It's great to see him have some success finally. And let's hope he can stay healthy the rest of the year. Because, um, <laughs> you know, if he's there, like, he's a great, you know, secondary guy on that team for anthony davis yeah
1: and uh something that pelicans fans will bring up very frequently is that anthony davis and drew holiday have actually been fairly healthy the last two years and Mm -hmm. you obviously hope that that continues but even just outside of them they've had so many issues uh getting and keeping a supporting cast around them that uh you just kind of hope that this can that some of the uh bad luck that they've had can kind of reverse here and they can find some sort of footing because that's a very talented and fun to watch team when they're really rolling.
0: Totally. And you know, adding Alfred Payton, I didn't really think it was going to be much for them, but he seems like he's playing really well so far this start this year. I think some of it might have to do with him cutting his hair. I know everyone is saying could, this, but... Could be... Po-
1: it could be part of it, but he was actually a fairly effective player in the half court last year. Um, after after struggling earlier earlier in his career, mm-hmm. uh, I I think he kind of flew under the radar, and and I think he's going to be able to replicate a lot of what Rajon Rondo gave them last season, if not play even better because everyone remembers how good Rondo was in the playoffs. But for the most part, uh, he hasn't been kind of a regular season player or or someone that shows up outside of those, um, national broadcast games. Right. So. I, I think Alfred Payton giving them kind of a younger and more consistent baseline from that position. Uh, I think that's going to do them a lot of good.
0: I totally agree. And speaking of Rondo, you want to talk about that fight? <laughs>
1: yeah, we could talk about
0: the fight. <laughs> Let's talk about the fight. I'm itching to talk about this. What in the hell did you actually watch that game? I didn't. I saw the highlights, but it's it comes on way past my bedtime, so I had. To I, sleep. I
1: did. I did, and uh, I was watching it with a buddy that's a big time Lakers fan. Um, he was really hoping that uh, Lonzo would get suspended. He's not a fan of Lonzo at all. Um, <laughs> Lonzo I, I was wasn't like, even Lonzo Didn't do anything. He's, he he basically wanted him to take the fall for Brandon Ingram. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I guess there's no bigger indication that we are in Adam Silver's NBA than the uh, suspensions uh, sizes there. Yeah. Um, I, which to be clear, I, I think that that's actually probably the right way to go. I don't I don't think it was. It wasn't something that was spilling into the crowd or something where the league really has to send a message. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was mostly a lot of kind of guys acting tough. Even Brandon Ingram's punch, it, it, I think it even missed Chris Paul's face. Um, <laughs> so I, so he I'm he has bad aim. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it looks a lot like his three point shots. So it's uh, <laughs> obviously it's going to put the Lakers in a bit of a tough position without him there. Um, I, I think. Going up against the Spurs here, you'd like to be at full strength in in order to get that first W on the year. Uh, But ultimately, maybe it's going to do them a little bit of good. I I think that they're a team that needs to go to their young guys more than they have. Mm -hmm. And uh, while Brandon Ingram missing time isn't ideal, um, I I wouldn't be surprised if Lonzo kind of takes that starting spot and then keeps it after the suspension, even though it's only two uh, two games for Rondo or or three games for Rondo. um, I, I think that that might be enough to kind of show them that, hey, we, we got to kind of give Lonzo the reins here.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about that. So the suspensions went down like this. So Chris Paul got two games, Rondo got three, and Brandon Ingram got four. Now, I want to ask you, do you think, since you watched the game and you watched it in real time, you saw the fight, is this the correct, uh, what's the word, the doling out of punishment? Is this, is this correct? Do you think this is fair?
1: Yeah, I I think it's fair. I think anything else would kind of be unnecessarily uh, excessive. Um, They they obviously deserve to have some sort of suspension. You can't kind of condone that behavior. But uh, ultimately, four games, I I mean, that's a decent chunk of the season for uh, Brendan Ingram. And uh, running in there, kind of being the third man in, I I thought he was deserving of the the more severe punishment. Mm -hmm. But it's not so severe at the point that it's kind of crippling your season. And I think that's important. I think if they went that direction, it would be a little overboard.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I can't understand why Ingram. I, I get it; like your your emotions get the best of you. He was already he was already worked up and screaming at the ref, which I thought was like, dude, you're gonna get yourself suspended right there. Calm down. I mean, this is just me thinking this in the replay. Um, I, I don't know why he was so worked up. He just he shoved Harden, and then it kind of escalated from there. His guys had to pull him away. Of all people, Lance had to pull him away from the ref. Um. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, did... Lance. Lance
1: playing uh, the good guy was certainly something that was interesting. Yeah,
0: bizarre world. I it just like, I know there's no love lost between Rondo and Chris Paul, and like uh, for whatever reason, the media asked um, Doc about it, and he's like, "Yeah, there's no love lost between those guys." He was saying that he doesn't really know what what it is, but it obviously is more than basketball. I honestly am just of the opinion that Rondo is a shithead. And that he tries to get under everyone's skin. Did you see? Like he last year, he wiped his sweat all over the ball when he was yeah, 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 a free I, throw. I, like yeah,
1: I, I think there's a lot, there's a lot of that there. I think Rondo, as you said, is a shithead. I think Chris Paul is a bit of a dick. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was kind of the the perfect situation there for that. Um, but, yeah, th- they're both guys that like to get chippy, that like to do things to, to get under the opponent's skin. So uh, it's definitely not surprising to see those guys get into a bit of a tussle there.
0: Yeah. And honestly, I mean, you know, now there's this there's this speak of the, the what was it? Uh, the second shooter that that Seinfeld take. <laughs> <game. laughs> right. Or there like some are some people are saying, I think Worldwide Wob said that, that uh, it was spit from Carmelo Anthony like if you slow it down and look at it it looks like Melo actually might have spit on him but then there's other footage that shows like Rondo actually spit in his face I'm sorry man if somebody spits in my face I'm definitely putting my fists up it's it's and he you know to Chris Paul's to defense he only pushed him with his finger, which look, like, it's still you know, if somebody pushes you in the head with, I'd
1: expect yeah, it more if he swung. He, yeah. he was like trying to poke his eyes out. I, I didn't get that.
0: Yeah, well, I think he was probably just trying, trying to push him with his finger on the forehead. You know, like that's the ultimate, like you're a kid, get out of my face, sign of disrespect. But either way, it was really, really, it escalated. That escalated really quickly, uh, as they say in Anchorman. Um, but yeah, man, I just think it's a bad look for everybody involved. I don't, I. I I understand giving Chris Paul two games, and I think it's fair. As you mentioned, he does like to get under people's skin, but he's not usually an instigator for a fight. Um, I just think Rondo's such a shithead, man. Like, <laughs> like he is everything that I've disliked about him in that in that one fight it's like yeah that's that's rondo he's he's the guy who's homophobic he's the guy that says shitty things to other teammates just to get or you know to other people just to get under their skin he's going to start a fight he's going to rub his sweat on a basketball really i would i would be so happy if like the lakers just cut him and be like bye but you know that's just me i just think he's i know people say he's great in the locker room he's great you know for as a teammate but you also mentioned like he only plays part time he only shows up for big Big time games. Right. And he only he's going to take games off. He'll show up in the playoffs and he'll show up when you're on national TV. But other than that, you're getting part time Rondo. And I just I don't respect that at all. Um, So I'm you know, I'm happy he got at least three games. Brandon Ingram, I just think it's a bad it's it's unfortunate. I think it's just a sign of a a kid who let his emotions get the best of him. And like somebody should have grabbed him. But what are you going to do?
1: Yep, yeah, that that uh, that shit definitely happens. Uh, especially if you, as a young player, um, you can. You can try your your best to keep it professional, but at the end of the day, like I, I kind of get it. Like if your teammates get in a tussle, you run in there and you defend you defend them. Mm-hmm. You just have to accept that it comes with the consequence. And I, I I'm all for Brandon Ingram standing up for his teammates. Sure, it, it's dumb, but it, in the heat of the moment, in the heat of competition, it was a tight game. Uh, clearly, two teams that already don't like each other. Yeah, uh, I, I think ultimately it's going to be good it's going to make the the rematch more interesting and um the the people that are faking outrage and saying oh what does this mean for the league i yeah. <laughs> I, I i think they can kind of calm down and, and not worry too much i i think it's only going to uh bring more attention and all uh all publicity is good publicity
0: yeah i mean there's also the idea that like you know people are talking about lebron james who is our her very first uh what's what's the word um live tv uh, what's the thing um reality reality tv star yeah he's our first nba reality tv star and like his his home opener was ruined by reality tv television or some shit i don't know i'm like we don't have to make that big of a deal (laughs) out of it it's fun to talk about and it's kind of a bad look but for ingram i think it's going to be a teaching point which is great and he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who's really out of control or anything like that like and if the nba can survive the mouths of the palace this is nothing so i think they're fine um do you want to move on and talk about some other things
1: we absolutely can.
0: All right, good. Let's talk about, we, you touched on it earlier, the, the Raptors and the Celtics. So coming into the season, like, I was really excited. First game of the, the season, like the Sixers and the Celtics. The Sixers did not look like they were up to the task. They're, they're a good team, but they're clearly not nearly as deep as the Celtics. And the Celtics just looked like they were going to be every bit the team that everyone thought they were going to be. They're deep. They can switch on everything. They've got shooting. They've got a bunch of really talented players. And Gordon Hayward is not 100% yet, clearly, but when he gets healthy, he's another weapon. And I just thought that, man, these guys, they're going to be so good. They ran up against the Raptors the other night and they lost 113 to 101. And it wasn't, I don't think it was particularly close. The thing that the Celtics like, have going for them this season, I feel, is their bench. It's like a really solid bench. You can bring those guys, Terry Rozier, Marcus Smart. All those guys are so good, and they could be starters on other teams. And then you look at the Raptors, and the only thing they added really was Kawhi Leonard. But they also had this incredible bench from last season, and I think we all forgot about that. They kind of took it to them. They, their bench way outperformed the Celtics. What do you think? Are Yeah, they actually... I, I think
1: I think the Raptors actually do have the better bench. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that that's the, the deeper team. Um, but in terms of top-end talent, I, I think that's where the Celtics have the edge. And um, I, it'll take them some time before they are fully clicking. As you mentioned, Gordon Hayward isn't at 100% yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I expect him to get to some form of himself, but they don't really need him to be 100%. I, I mean, even Kyrie isn't necessarily... Uh, At his peak yet. But I I think the biggest development for them is just how good Jason Tatum looks, because if Tatum can be a legitimate all star, I mean, Al Warford is a tremendous player. Uh, Jalen Brown appears to take a leap. Kyrie can be the best uh, best performer in almost any playoff series he's in. Um, over a seven-game sample size, he can he can play at the same level as almost anybody. We, we've seen him average over 30 points per game in two NBA finals. He's, he's pretty good. Um, so when you talk about top-end talent, I think that's where Boston actually has the edge um, come the postseason, especially when benches get a little bit shorter and, and Toronto's depth means a little less. I, I mean, mm-hmm. Boston clearly has a great bench too, but I, I just personally, I, I give... Toronto the edge in, in that uh, in that area.
0: Okay, I mean yeah and of course it's like very early in the season, very very small sample size, it was just one game and obviously even the best teams, even the Warriors when they won 73 games lost a few um, so it's I don't think it's anything to overreact about but I, I honestly thought that the Celtics would be a little bit better than the Raptors in that first game and uh, I, I'm surprised that, I mean I don't know why I'm surprised, I shouldn't be the, the, the Raptors are really damn good I forgot how good their bench is so it's not. Yeah, they,
1: I mean, they were the only team that was top five in offense and defense last year, and mm-hmm. they replaced their worst perimeter defender with both Danny Green and Kawhi Leonard. Like that's that's going to make you a pretty damn good team.
0: Yeah, and you know the funny thing is, like we always think about, and I did it again too when I was talking about this. We always forget about the addition of Danny Green. Like we everyone talks about the addition of Kawhi Leonard, and that's a huge piece. You swapped out Demar Rosen with Kawhi Leonard. That's huge, but. You also added Danny Green, who's just like three and D guy, man. He's the prototypical three and D guy, and he's going to bring a lot to that team. They got deeper. Um, I think they're a really, really good team. Um, I don't know any more thoughts about that.
1: I uh, know that. I think that covers it. I I'm, I think it's going to be a dogfight coming down the stretch uh, this season uh, between Toronto and Boston. I, I I think those are the clear top tier in the Eastern Conference, and everyone else is kind of. Uh, playing for second behind them.
0: Totally, you know, and I'll, I'll say this as a Sixers fan: damn it, <laughs> just damn it. <laughs> <laughs> they like, you know, Boston just showed that they're still so much further ahead right now, and and the two of them like, they're they're just they're going to run the table on the East. The Sixers are like a few parts away, and Fultz, man. Here's another observation from the: I don't know if you've watched any of the Sixers games or have watched anything about Marco Markel Fultz this season. Um, mm-hmm. It was great the way the fans rallied behind him when he hit that three-point shot, but at the same time, the kid looks so freaking lost on defense most of the time, and he is adding nothing on the offensive end. I get that they need to play him to see if he's actually going to turn into this guy, but if you talk about, they gave up their first-round pick, uh, the Kings' pick, number one pick, and they got they passed on Jason Tatum to get Markel Fultz. Man, that's just like, ah, uh, it's it's a killer. So. Yeah, that's that's
1: that's a tough that's a tough pill to swallow. Um, especially yeah. when you're looking at just how bad the Kings are likely going to be this year.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, giving another weapon to Boston, who you're you're trying to overtake in the East, and they're already a fair deal ahead of you. You basically have to bank on Kyrie leaving and, and the pick not being as great as you think. Um, it, it puts them in a tough position for sure.
0: It really does. And the thing is, like, you know, we know that Boston has guys coming up for contracts that they probably won't be able to sign all of them. But if you get that first round pick from the Kings and it's really good there, you just got another guy for another four years. Let me ask you this as
1: as a Sixers fan. Mm -hmm. Would would you flip folds for Jimmy Butler?
0: Uh, See, oh, man, this is a tough one. Jimmy Butler is a great player. I really like Jimmy Butler as a player. Jimmy Butler is also a giant asshole. So (laughs) I'm not sure I would want him on this team. He's one of those dominating personalities, but, you know, he doesn't need to be. Uh, if you're talking about, like, leading by example, that's not the example you want to set for your guys. And the fact that he's still—oh, we didn't even talk about this as big surprises of the season. The fact that he's still with Minnesota after demanding a trade and not showing up for for, for uh, training camp— I, I know we, everyone has talked about the Jimmy Butler saga, but— the fact that he's out there playing now is just—it's um, my mind is blown. I can't believe that this is actually happening. And I think they're one and one at this point, or one and two, mm-hmm. one and one. Yeah. Um, who did they lose? They, to? Uh,
1: yeah, he he came out there and he gave it to Mike Abs. He was a one-man ah. wrecking crew on the defensive end, so that that was a lot of fun to watch.
0: It, as a, I,
1: I definitely would have preferred if Jimmy Butler didn't play in that game.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. As a as a person who's not particularly a Sixers fan, would you make the trade?
1: Yes, really. I, I, I think at this point you you'd have to look at it. Um, I, I I'm someone that was really high on Markel Fultz coming into last year, but I think you already have such a good team that you need to to start to try to make some win now moves. Um, it's not easy, but I, I think taking a chance on Jimmy Butler and and adding that to to Simmons and and Embiid. I think he's just a cleaner fit at this point. Totally. And I I think I'd I'd roll the dice because I I always gravitate towards the sure things and the, the players that have kind of proven it more. And as much as there isn't necessarily a sure thing and injuries can change anything and he's a guy with a lot of mileage on him, Um, I just think that there's a lot of damage done for Fultz, and honestly, even for him, I I think he might excel in a different situation. He might just have to kind of get over the mental hurdles, because I think that's what it is with him. I I think his struggles have been more mental than physical, and uh, it, it could be something where it benefits both sides.
0: Yeah, it could. I mean, I, I totally agree with you. It's absolutely more mental than physical. And like, I'm not a, I'm not a psych- psychologist or anything, uh, but you can see it, you know, on the court. You like you, if you saw him in college, which I'm not a big college guy, but I've seen his highlights and I've seen what he was able to do. He doesn't look like the same player at all. So it's clearly mental. Um, the idea that like he might thrive in another place. I, it's weird because he really hasn't gotten that much time in Philly yet. This is really like his first year, right? He played 14 games, I think last year, Um and the fans have been a hundred percent behind him. I can't imagine going to someplace else where they would give him the amount of support that Philly has because, like, there's so much tied up into him, and that could change really quickly if he just doesn't show up. But you know, it's I'm kind of proud of the Philly fans to be honest with you. Like, it's, it's cheering at three point shot as if it was like they won the Super Bowl. It's both hilarious and also like really awesome. You know, can you imagine getting that kind of reaction just from hitting a shot? But yeah, I, I agree with what you said. Jimmy Butler, on paper, the player, he fits so well with Ben Simmons and and Embiid. It would be, whew, God, it would be good. The problem with it is that Jimmy Butler is also going to be 30. He's also up for a contract next year, and he's going to need a lot of money. So you're kind of like hampering your ability to build a team around those three guys if you're signing him to a big contract now. It just, it worries me a bit. I don't know. To be honest with you, I I really... I've thought about it. I don't know if there's a trade there. But man, I, if you go in with Jimmy Butler, I think they definitely take a step up in the East and they could compete with Boston and Toronto easily. So yeah, the other I get s- that. The other side is that like Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are also really young. So there's not a huge rush. But I, I also understand that like, you know, don't pass up on a chance at a championship because you don't want to gamble. So I, I don't know. It's I, I feel so many ways about it.
1: Yeah, I as I said, there, there's no such thing as a sure thing, um, but the East just feels kind of open and, and getting just taking a shot this season to, to maybe make the, the finals, I, I think it, it would be worthwhile to me. But if Markel Fultz actually does kind of put it together and recognize his potential, that's that's a big-time ceiling raiser for the Sixers. So I, I get why they're kind of doing the long-term play by uh, investing on in him early in the season.
0: Totally. By the way, I didn't even mean to talk about the Sixers. I'm sorry. I do this every single podcast. (laughs) I'm like, I'm not talking about the Sixers. I'm not going to do it. Oh, hey, what about the Sixers? So, my bad. Uh, Let's move on. Do you want to talk about Cleveland a little bit? Are they in trouble after their uh, 0-3 start? What are your thoughts?
1: Um, Yeah. Uh, It depends Depends on what your definition of trouble is. Uh, Your expectations for what they are going to be this season kind of determine that. And uh, I thought that this was going to be a team that is going to be playing its young guys, that's going to be allowing them to make mistakes, and is going to be drafting high as a result of it. Um, So I I think that there's encouraging signs through three games. They've had stretches where they played really well. And uh, against Toronto and Minnesota, they went down big only to kind of get back into the game, uh, which was nice. It was great to see them compete. Uh, but then you blow a 15-point lead and lose by 21 to the Atlanta Hawks, what's left of them. So it's uh, it's it hasn't been a great stretch this season. I don't think they're as bad as they look right now, but I do think that they're probably going to end with a uh, bottom five record, especially if they end up selling off some of these veterans.
0: Yeah, yeah. Can you see them making any moves like toward the trade deadline to just clear up some space and let the ro- young guys really go? Uh, yeah, I think.
1: Kyle Corver, Jr. Smith, and George Hill will all be moved. Hmm. Um, if if I had to guess, maybe one of them would, would end up needing to be a buyout. J.R. Uh, would most likely be that candidate. But uh, the thing about the three of them is next year of their contract is non-guaranteed. So for teams looking to clear up space, George Hill gives you $20 million that you can write off the books next season. Jr. Smith gives you fifteen million there. Um, and Kyle Corver is... Uh, good rental at $7 million a year and next year is not guaranteed and in all likelihood he's probably going to retire. So uh, I think there's teams that would at least be willing to give up a, a second in that sort of transaction. I don't think the Cavs can expect a big return, but I do think that there's going to be some sort of a market for that uh, given how strong this free agent class is coming up this summer.
0: So you think they hold on to Kevin Love?
1: Yes. Yes. I, I think Kevin Love is, is still – um, he's still kind of the face of the franchise through this rebuild. So um, I, I just don't think that there's a great market out there. The teams that have a use for Kevin Love don't have the assets to really make it worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm a believer in Jetty Osmond. I, I think he's going to be a good player for them. Um, and they have some other useful pieces. Tristan Thompson looks healthy. Colin Sexton might be a player. We, we don't know. He's kind of having a bit of a rough start to this season. Um, But if you can add a top pick to that and you have cap space, you you can at least round out a a decent roster around Kevin Love.
0: Totally. And, you know, Colin Sexton has shown some some flashes so far this year. He's looked really explosive at very least.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He he looks like an NBA athlete and um, he struggled a little bit against Toronto. As we said, that's probably going to be one of the best defenses in the league. Mm -hmm. Uh, Opening night. Uh, I thought he had a good game against Minnesota. He seemed to have calmed down. And then against Atlanta, I think he got a little too hyped up for the uh, matchup against Trey Young. And Trey Young absolutely roasted him. So uh, I, I don't think it's it's probably a little too early to call him a bust or anything like that. I, yeah. <laughs> I think he's shown potential. Um, but yeah, I mean, if he can even be a, a starting caliber point guard and, and Jetty Osman ends up becoming a good player, uh, if you add a good, Top five pick there, like let's say they lock out and get R.J. Barrett. Um, that's that's a pretty good kind of core four there, and you'd have cap space to build uh, the roster around that. So um, I, I don't think hope is necessarily lost, and and for that reason I would hang on to Kevin Love uh, just because I, I just don't think that there's going to be a market out there that would uh, justify moving him.
0: Right, plus he's on a how many more years has he signed? Three, and he's on a decent contract, right?
1: Uh he's got I think five years. Oh he's got he five just, years. Okay. Yeah, he just signed the extension uh this summer. So uh I think it's four years that kick in after.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean so Yeah,
1: yeah, he signed up for a while.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you you have him for a while. He's a he's probably the best guy you want to shepherd the new generation in, right? He's always the one one of his main abilities is rebounding the ball and that's probably not gonna go any anytime soon so even if he doesn't become your focal point and you can build around him that would be great you have a, a really solid piece in the center position or in the on the uh, power forward position that like you, you know you can build around kevin love i i don't think that's a bad idea i don't know what i was going to say about that but i <laughs> like where you're at with this <laughs> i was you know i have a i work with someone who's whose husband happens to be a Cavs fan and I talked to him briefly after work one day. He's like, yeah, I don't know, man. We might be good. I think we might go to the playoffs. And I was just, I felt like such a dick afterwards. I was like, no, you're not. You're really not. <laughs> you have no chance. I was so dismissive. And I felt like in after the next day, I told my coworkers, like, by the way, tell your husband, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to just like totally shut him down. Like maybe they do, <laughs> they do have a chance. I didn't mean to be so dismissive, but it looks like after three games, they don't really have a chance. Do you, do you even care if they don't make the playoffs this year or is getting a really high draft pick more important for you and for the franchise moving forward?
1: I, I, uh, yeah, I'm not, I don't think playoffs would be what I would hope for if it came, that'd be great. Um, but I, I think bottoming out and letting the young guys make mistakes, uh, is probably the best course of action a, at this point. Cause, uh, if you can bottom out with Kevin Love as the Grizzlies did with, uh, Marcus All last year, mm-hmm. um, and you, you add a top five player there, I, I think it's, uh, it can kind of change your future. And realistically speaking, this is probably a franchise that's never going to win another championship. So if they can at least get a competent core where they can be somewhat entertaining, uh, maybe make the second round a, a few times, I'd be okay with that.
0: My God, that's defeatist. <laughs> like one year, like LeBron just left and they're never going to win another championship. Come on, man. Hey, man,
1: they, they haven't had a, uh, a chance of winning a championship for about three years now. So that's uh, that's a good I'm, point. I'm OK with it.
0: That's true. And the championship that they did get was, oh, my God, that's going to go down in the annals of history in the NBA. It's one of the best championships I've ever watched. So <laughs> you have that <laughs> um, anything else you want to you want to touch on anything else?
1: No, I, I think uh, I think we did a good deep dive here. Uh, considering we're only no, well, not even a weekend. Yes, <laughs> uh, it's it's definitely good to have basketball back. I, I'm very very interested to see how this uh, Laker season pans out as well. Um, and just how much patience LeBron is going to have. I think that's going to be a, a major storyline for uh, early in the season.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I have a feeling by midseason, like, half of that roster is traded. I just, I think he's going to run out of patience quickly with the young guys, and I think he's going to run out of patience with the knuckleheads, to be honest with you. Like, I, I would love for Rondo to be off that team. I don't like the Lakers to begin with, but having Rondo there is just like, ah, oh, God, he's under my skin already. Um, Justin, thanks for coming on, man. Plug your stuff again, and uh, I'll let you get out of here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you can find uh, my annoying voice on the Chase Down podcast. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, uh, your favorite podcast app, uh, rate and review us. We appreciate it. And you can find my writing at Fearthesword.com as well as Hoops Habit.
0: Awesome. And if you ever need somebody to come on and talk about Sixers, just let me know. All right. Appreciate it, buddy. <laughs> Thanks, man. Justin Rowan, everyone. Go check Justin out. Uh, chase down pod for the sword and poops habit and I'll talk to you guys again next week bye bye